your uterus and where it was and what we did. <laughs> do you want me to do a metaphor or do you want me to tell you where? I... Um, you could do both. Okay. <laughs> she was she was at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> she was at the bottom of the bathtub near the drain. Um, and literally it was uh, dexteroflexed and retroverted, which is a way of saying off to the right, folded a bit, and in the back of your body. This is Lady Parts. I'm Andrea Moraskin. The voice you just heard is Megan Asaf, a woman who is near and dear to my heart. Megan is a massage therapist. She picked my uterus off of the bottom of my pelvic floor and repositioned it in my pelvis. And this work, which she calls womb massage, has been a pivotal part of my healing journey with painful menstruation. Uterus massage techniques that came to us from the Maya people of Central America, also called Maya abdominal massage. That's the subject of our episode today. I recorded the interview you're going to hear at my second session with Megan all the way back in December 2012 in Bloomington, Indiana. It was originally for a story I did for the Sound Medicine Radio Hour at WFYI in Indianapolis. There's a link to that story in the show notes. Back then, I didn't quite know how to mic myself, so I sound a little far away. But I didn't want you to miss out on Megan or on this information. I went to see Megan after a year of debilitating menstrual pain that my doctors couldn't explain. On an ultrasound, my organs looked fine. I had a laparoscopy and exploratory surgery to look for endometriosis, but they didn't find anything at all. I also had a colonoscopy and other bowel-related tests and pelvic floor physical therapy, but I couldn't get to the bottom of the pain. When I first went to see Megan, I was on a drug called Lupron, which temporarily stopped my period, but I still felt a pressure at the bottom of my pelvis. That pressure went away after Megan treated me for the first time. As I lay on my side and she executed a deep scooping motion, it felt like a big boulder was being rolled uphill in my pelvis. And when I stood up, it was like an invisible pair of suspenders had been pulled up. And when I did get my period again, it was much, much better. I had no idea that my uterus could be out of place. Megan had so much information, I decided to record our second session from the massage table. Megan picks up here explaining how a poorly positioned uterus can lead to inflammation. Because yours has been out for so long and it's been um, in a position where she's been really trapped and couldn't move on her own, there's a good chance that she actually got more inflamed. And this is part of the reason why your periods were so painful, that the cramps you were having were more painful than they needed to be. The fact that you were having cramps, actually, in this lineage of information tells us that your uterus was not allowed to be efficient. So that can be from it being out of place. It can also be from dietary considerations. It can also be from lifestyle considerations. So there's a big picture here to look at. So it being inflamed, does that make it bigger? Being inflamed can make it puffier, but it makes it more acidic. Actually, the acidity is what causes the inflammation. When you have fluids that are supposed to be moving appropriately in the pelvis and suddenly they start getting blocked, what ends up happening is that the blood can't get in and out of the area in the right amounts and the right pace. And we start to see a buildup of carbon dioxide in the tissues, which then leads to more acidity. 
We also might not be able to get enough nutrients coming into the uterus at the appropriate times and the appropriate amounts to nourish the tissue so it can actually be healthy and heal itself and make its recoveries the way it needs to and do its changes. Remember the hormones flow through the bloodstream so there's a chance that your hormonal cycle could be thrown off if she's sitting on a blood vessel that is responsible for bringing hormones into her as an organ. And what's interesting about the uterus, if you look at her with the blood supply, you'll see that most of it actually comes in at the level of the cervix. And then in squiggly lines and squiggly shapes, it'll like pigtail itself up the side of the uterus and then plunge in. Hmm. And nature makes this corkscrew shape as one way we, I like to think of, and Rosita, my teacher, has said that it's corkscrew because she has to go from this size to the size of a watermelon. So we have these corkscrew blood vessels, and so she's an extremely blood vessel-oriented organ. I mean, there's just tons of blood going in and out, and it all comes in right here. So you can see that if she tilts one way or tilts another way or goes to the front or goes to the back, and in your case, you know, where we may have found her last time, I mean, how is that blood supply going to come in when there's a kink of an angle that extreme coming into the organ, right? She doesn't get as much blood supply. Plus, when she's like this, she can't clean out appropriately. Is it because, is it related to gravity? It is related to gravity. If you look where, if, if the uterus is supposed to sit like this in your pelvis, and yours was like that, mm -hmm. where is the blood going to go if it's going to gravity? Where do you think it might go? Towards the head? Towards the head. And at the head, there are fallopian tubes that come off of it, open tubes right out into your pelvis. Right? One of the theories of endometriosis is that you backwards menstruate. In other words, instead of having it come out of the vagina and out of the cervix and down this way in gravity, it'll actually backwash up the fallopian tubes. And once it gets out of the tubes, it'll stick to whatever other organ or place in the abdomen it goes to. So, you know, you have an organ in this position stuck behind the colon or sort of caught up in that area for long enough, you, you, you're, you're looking at pathology that can develop later. So you get the idea then that there is actually not just a size change, but also a weight change in the organ every month. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the reason that the periods can be more intense. Okay. And you get the idea of how there are specific flows that are going through the abdomen, and you have to be able to have those flows moving properly to have optimal wellness in the organs. So there's blood, mm -hmm. there's lymph, yep. right? Yep. There's nerve impulse pathways, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's energy lines, energy meridians, which most cultures across the world actually have documentation of knowledge of them. Um, they may look a little different depending on the culture. But energy flows through the body. So there's five flows, and in the blood flow there are two. There's the venous, which is the old blood that is ready to be rebuilt and restored, and then there's the arterial blood, which has all the fresh nutrients and oxygen. Mm -hmm. Okay. The arterial blood brings in the good and the venous blood carries out the garbage. So those five flows have to be flowing properly for there to be optimal vitality in the organs. And the uterus... In any organ. In any organ, that's right. And in a woman's body, we are in a really unusual position when compared with men because we have an organ that really dr dramatically can move. There's a reason some people call her the wandering womb because she can literally move around the pelvis. She can flop to the left, the right, the back, the front. She can fold in half. She can go upside down. There are names for all of these positions, right? Um, one of the beautiful things about this work is that 
it can actually help women with different stages of prolapse, right? So if your uterus is in, you know, stage one through four, I mean, my first client that I worked with in this work had a stage four prolapse. Her uterus was hanging outside of her body, bless her heart. And she had a very difficult quality of life because of that. And after a year of doing this work, she was able to, to keep it inside of her body on her own. You know, it, it wasn't falling out anymore. She didn't have to do the extraordinary things women have to do to, to go to the bathroom when that's happening. So this work offers some, some support for women with that. And then the other piece I notice is you have to combine it with pelvic floor strengthening or relaxing, depending on what your issue is there. You can have a pelvic floor that's too tight or a pelvic floor that's too relaxed. So getting back to you, um, with a uterus that was as low as what it was when we found it last time, the big nugget that I want you to take home from our talk today is that when she's leaning that low and she's that far onto your your other organs, that's part of possibly what's been causing your dysfunction. At the very least, it's been reducing the flow of all the vital fluids through the area, which makes the organs more irritable and inflamed. I mean, think of squeezing your fist and not letting go for 10 years, right? If you, if you try to relax your fingers, they may not. They're really stiff and inflamed, and you may have developed arthritis and you know, a lack of oxygen coming in, so the tissues could be really, you know, atrophied. There could be all kinds of things going on, but it's, it's sort of like that. You want to be able to have your organs gliding together and moving really well, not necessarily flopping out of place, but you don't want them stuck where they can't get their proper supplies of all their fluids. After the session, I got off the table to dig into the background of this astounding therapy and how it challenges our assumptions about women's bodies. We'll also hear some of Megan's personal story. What we did in our session is gently repositioning organs that have fallen out of place back into place through an abdominal massage that's hundreds of years old. Um, I learned through my teacher, Rosita Arvigo, and she studied with Central American healers for over 30 years, most notably Donny Ligio Ponti, uh, who was a primary mentor for her for several years in her apprenticeship with him when he was in his 90s. And she developed a technique based on what he showed her, uh, in addition to her own training as a napropathic doctor, that successfully helps to realign the uterus into place when it's out of place and also puts the structures that the uterus hangs on into a good alignment. Um, and so you, I saw on your website that you have a bachelor's in graphic design and you minored in psychology, right? Yes, so yes I did. So how did you get into this line of work? Well, originally I was going to go into art therapy and then I guess to my credit and also to my immaturity, I got to grad school to go to art therapy and realized I wasn't ready. So I ended up moving to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and starting an adventure of really focusing on my own self-care and self-needs and self-healing. So you said you went to focus on self-healing. What, what was wrong? Um, since I turned age 11 and had my first period, I had had debilitating menstrual periods. And they just got worse over time. There were many different approaches that we took. Um, and by the time I was able to leave college and go out on my own and make choices for myself with my health care, because I was no longer on insurance, um, I felt like I needed to find different solutions than the Western medical model for what I had been experiencing. 
because despite the medicines and the testing and the exploratory surgery and all the other things that I had looked into, I still was not well every month for so about you had a week. A laparoscopy. Yes, I had a laparoscopy. Yeah. So, and how did you find Dr. Arvigo? Mm, that's a story. I was living in California at the time and had accepted my menstrual dysfunction as something that I thought I was going to have to live with the rest of my life until I was menopausal. But I had still been trying alternative forms of therapy, and they were really helpful, except that I, my body would always backtrack. I would get better, and then I would get worse again. And it would seem like once I got worse again with that therapy, the therapy wouldn't help me get better again. So it pointed to the fact that we weren't hitting the nugget of the root of the cause of the issue. We were getting to the symptoms. We were getting to the layers, but not the nugget, the root. And one day on a particularly devastating menstrual cycle where at that point I wasn't able to eat for several days prior to and on because I would not be able to keep it down and the pain of having it pass through my system was too much. The cramps were over the top and I, mean, I was being, as a person, I was out of my body. It was so excruciating. Um, and of course the emotional overlay that comes from chronic pain, I mean, we can form relationships to our dysfunction and and in spite of our dysfunction and in a reaction to our dysfunction, and they're not always healthy. Um, so in the middle of all of this puking and purging and suffering and going, God, why me? And realizing I'd said this prayer a million times and still felt like I hadn't figured it out, I actually changed the quality of prayer that I was asking in that moment. And I think when we are people who have lived with something like this, this intense, this regularly, and we, we, we can't stay in our bodies as a being because it's so uncomfortable, and we come out of our bodies and we're praying, I, I actually feel like that is some of the most clear, lucid, strong prayers I've ever said in my life is when I was actually out of my body. And that day I said a prayer saying, clearly you're not going to fix this, so can you show me how to help myself? I give up. I give up asking you to do it for me. And how old were you? I was 28, I think. 28, 29. This is my late 20s. And that following week, I had three people out of the blue tell me about this work. You know, oh, hey, Meg, haven't talked with you in years. Have you heard about blah, blah, blah? Remembered your bad menstrual cramps and thought I would tell you I heard about this technique. So I went up online and I looked at it, and the first thing I saw on the website was a laundry list of all the things that can happen as a result of your uterus being out of place. And I think I must have had all of the ones that aren't about pregnancy and aren't about menopause. <laughs> Did you, you had endometriosis? Oh, yeah, I, just all kinds of things, and all kinds of infections. They couldn't identify why I was having them and all kinds of pain and, you know, rupturing ovarian cysts and all kinds of things. And... Um, it was really a shock to see that list collected because I didn't know that there was such a thing as this and that all of these symptoms that I've been experiencing actually could be put under one umbrella. The website Megan's referring to here is the Arvigo Institutes. They teach Rosita Arvigo's work around the world and offer certifications. I want to note that Megan trained with Rosita, but what she offers now is not under the auspices of the Arvigo Institute. 
There are similarities between her work and what's called the Arvigo techniques of Maya abdominal therapy, but it's not the same thing. At the time, there was a practitioner located four and a half hours away from me. She was the closest practitioner at that time. Um, and so my partner and I at the time bundled up into the truck and we drove up to San Francisco and I spent two and a half hours with her and um, she went over some of the basics about the technique and then she proceeded to do it and did some other things. She's a wonderful practitioner and when I got up off the table I remember skipping down the hallway to go back to the kitchen to get a drink of water. And I've caught myself skipping and I thought, I'm, I'm skipping. I can't remember having skipped since I was a kid. And I had this lightness of being and this, this joyfulness that I couldn't remember having felt since I was a child. And that's when I actually knew, you know, there's more to moving a uterus than just physical structuring and realigning. It's, there's something very deep that it affects in a woman on a spiritual and emotional level and at that point I realized that I was going to get better and that this was what I wanted to do. And what was her, her name? The practitioner was yeah. Dr. Gabrielle Francis. She's marvelous. So before this you had no idea that your uterus was out of place? No. I think the closest I'd come to something like this which I didn't even connect the dots till later was my mother telling me don't lift the heavy things let your brothers do it because you'll hurt the family jewels. <laughs> you know, she used to tell me that, and I would think, oh, that's ridiculous. I'm just as strong as my brothers. I can lift this. But come to find out later after studying with Rosita and learning more about traditional ways that women care for their wombs and traditional cultures still, you know, women don't lift the heavy things, especially around their menstrual cycle and when they're postpartum and when they're pregnant. There's specific guidelines to protecting your uterus from weight. So we have traditional Mayan culture as mm -hmm. well. Yep. And what other cultures? Well, gosh, there are so many other cultures that know about this particular work. Um, we've got practitioners now all over the world in many different countries. We've had one report of some folks in Africa who um, immigrated to the UK and talked to one of our practitioners and said, I'm so relieved to have found you because in my village where I come from, you know, I would have gone to see a practitioner and they would have done, you know, the vaginal steams, the uterus massage, the, the herbals, and she would have gotten that from her village, from her healer in her village. And that was the care she was seeking. You know, and we, we are here offering that modern information, right, from a traditional culture, from a traditional point of view. So there are many cultures that acknowledge the need for uterine care, including weight, including keeping the feet warm, the pelvis warm including the steaming, the herbs. So what was, when you were learning to be a practitioner, what was the most surprising thing? When I was learning to be a practitioner, the most surprising thing I think was actually feeling someone else's uterus <laughs> underneath my hands through the abdominal cavity, right, through the abdominal muscles. It's kind of nice to feel your own, right? It feels pretty empowering to learn how to work with yours, but when you learn how to work with other people's, it's really quite a rush. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I was really nervous and um now I just I I feel confident but I think that was the most empowering thing that and realizing that um this information used to be worldwide and it used to be taught to people as just part of the regular culture that really made an impression on me
and coming from our Western culture where we don't have rites of passage for women and ways of acknowledging the stages of our fertility, our first menses, our babies, our postpartum, our menopause. We, we don't have stages that demarcate the stage in life we're at. But this information, this worldwide traditional women's information um, is there. There's got to be something left over, though, because your mom said to you, don't lift those things. And actually, a friend of mine said that she'd heard that. I'd never heard it. Yes. And it's funny because if we, if I've, I've learned from uh, other people and also have talked to some doctors trained before 1940, even though they're pretty old at this point. But they actually recall knowing that if the uterus was retroverted and it was in the back of your body, you'd have a harder time getting pregnant. So did they know what to do about it? Um, they, they, one doctor I talked to would tell his um, clients to jump on a trampoline. Isn't that interesting? So, so that it would It would bounce. Up? Yeah, it would bounce and land in a different position, I suppose. <laughs> but who knows what position? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. I know. But coming from this work, you know, we, we, we learn about different uterine positions, and we learn about how the uterus moving can move the hips out of place and, you know, really, really throw the whole pelvic floor off and really shift the way many things sit. And, you know, it's different in men. Men don't have a uterus. They've got a prostate, and it's pretty fixated. It doesn't jiggle and bounce and move the same way at all. The first time I saw Megan, she told me there's a Mayan saying that the uterus is a woman's second heart. I asked her, aside from being able to have babies, why is the uterus so important for a woman? Well, Donnie Lihiopanti told Rosita once, and I'll paraphrase because clearly I wasn't there to hear this in his own words, but something to the effect of that when a woman's uterus is out of place, her life is out of place. And I think I was telling you earlier that these are really strong words. And really... The only way I know how to help people understand it is to say, number one, you have to just feel it for yourself. When your uterus is in place, your energy centers up, your your emotional body centers up, your physical body is centered up, and you just feel centered. It's, It's a really deep, subtle, but in some ways very profound sort of balancing that takes place. Why is that? My way of understanding it, and this is just for me, but I'm sure everyone has their ideas, but my way of understanding it is that the uterus, as the organ that brings a being and a body together, is a real alchemical cauldron. It's a multidimensional organ. It has a foot in this world and the next. And for that Why reason... Why do you use the word alchemical? Because helping to bring a spirit together with a body seems very alchemical to me. You mean when a baby is conceived and formed in the uterus? Yeah, and a spirit is eyeing that body for its own. Yeah. And how those two things come together, how those two worlds come together, it's a mystery. I don't know how it works. I just know the uterus is the place it happens. And for that reason, I know that she responds to this world and the other world. You know, this world, the physical world, and the spirit world. And maybe I'm sounding superstitious, but I will tell you, that there are many times I've worked with clients who have suffered tremendous amounts of spiritual suffering. They've been abused horribly, or they've had really traumatizing experiences, and their uteruses have literally been found in positions where they're running and hiding 
and trying not to so be seen. So these people who've been abused sexually? Could be sexually, could be psychologically, could be physically. Uteruses, uteruses in my experience actually can be quite emotional and they can harbor and hold a lot of emotions. They can respond to a lot of emotions. And you said before that you don't know why nature made us that way, but is there any, would there be, is there any speculation towards evolutionary reason why women should, you know, avoid heavy exercise because the, the types of exercise that don't disturb the uterus are all pretty gentle? Hmm. I don't know of an evolutionary reason. I just know that the, the act of being very vigorous with the uterus has the chance of moving it out of place. You know, if, if you're giving birth and you can't get that baby out because your uterus has been upside down or the cervix is pointing into the, the hip bone instead of down towards the pelvic floor, if you can't get that baby out, what are you going to do? You know, you could risk dying. The baby could risk dying. So some of these cultures really got this understanding that you need to put things in place to make sure the woman is okay, the baby is okay, and it's all okay. Yeah. Can you describe where is the proper or optimal place that the uterus should be? The uterus, according to what I've understood, should be behind the bladder and above the bladder in an arc over the bladder, um, just slightly with some space in between her and the bladder. And she's positioned front to back with the bladder in front, her in the middle, and the rectum in the back. She should not be leaning off to the right or the left. She should not be leaning into any other organs. It's so funny because we study the anatomy books a lot in the training for this work, and we'll see sometimes where the anatomy books actually show the cadavers having their uterus positions out of place, and also with the uterus leaning into other organs. And it's in some of the books they do say that it is retroverted or, you know, antiverted, but some of the books they don't. And so how, what are the different ways that the organ can be knocked out of that place? There are a lot of ways. Um, think of anything that's bouncing to the uterus or the body, or think of anything that is so heavy that when you have to lift and squeeze your abdominal muscles hard to bring whatever you're lifting up, that equal amount of pressure then bears down in the abdominal cavity towards the pelvic floor, towards the uterus, pushing it down. So lifting heavy things, bouncing, there's a list. Um, you can wear high heels that are over about a half an inch to an inch, and that will alter the pelvic angle, which can then shift and tilt the uterus. Um, actually, down in Belize, they talk about not walking barefoot on the cold, wet grass. And sounds like it could be superstition, but if you notice, when you walk on cold, wet grass, your feet get cold, which will then chill the blood going through the bottom of your feet. And as that blood comes back up through your legs, one of the first hollow organs the blood has a chance to dump that cold damp into is the womb. And I didn't believe this until I had several clients with uteruses that were falling out of their bodies. And I would tell them this, and they would laugh at me. Oh, I've been barefoot my whole life, they would say. And it's never caused me an inch of problem, and I love it. And I would say, well, let's just practice for a month just wearing slippers and socks, and then go back to going barefoot, and you tell me what happens. Report back in. So they did, and they came back, and they told me, Megan, my uterus drops when I walk barefoot on the cold now that I have felt what it's like to not have it dropping and I know what it feels like to have it in my body because of this work. If I go barefoot and my feet get cold and my legs get cold and my pelvis gets cold, the uterus drops. Wow. So it sounds superstitious, cold, wet grass, right? But 
there is something scientific underneath that. Megan Asaf practices integrative massage therapy for women, incorporating womb massage and other modalities. You can find her in Bloomington and Indianapolis, Indiana, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Her website is wombsforwisdom.com. This is the last episode of Season 1 of Lady Parts. Big thanks to Melissa Davis, Eamon Linehan, Brendan Linehan, Nikki Katz, and Rev Kev Ewing at Baobab Tree Studios in New Haven for their help and support this season. The Lady Parts theme song is by Adam Ragusea. Other music on this episode by Mevy Boy. Our logo is by Jamie Squire. As always, I appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a second season, please shoot me an email at ladypartsradio at gmail.com. Thank you for listening from the bottom of my uterus. <laughs>